0: bum bum ba bum 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 bam ba bam bum bum bam ba bam bum bum bam ba bam bum bam bum ba bum 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 ba bum 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 ba bum 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 ba bum 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 bum
1: A <laughs> You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. In this very special episode, we have a returning couple seeking a second opinion. They are taking a pit stop from tooling around the universe on a surfboard built for two. It's everyone's most treasured interstellar couple. They are my OTP and yours, Don Greenwood and Noren Rad. And for the session, we'll be sitting down with a specialist, Writer and co-creator of my all-time favorite comic book character, it's Dan Slott.
0: Yes,
2: it's February, the most romantic month of the year, so says Hallmark.
1: I'm corny, I just love it. I love a card, I love a Reese's cup in the shape of a heart, I love uh, I love wearing pink, I love getting flowers, I love giving nothing, because I am the worst. I get him a card, <laughs> and I got him a gift this year.
2: Yay! <laughs> uh, but yeah, we felt like we had to return to... One of our favorite comic book couples to celebrate February this year. Don and Norrin, in a lot of ways, are the reason why comic book couples counseling exists.
1: Because I had just read the entire run, and I was still like wet with tears and head over heels, smitten with Don and the Silver Surfer. So as we were kicking the can back and forth with podcast ideas, I was like, I definitely want a platform to celebrate these two. And Brad was like, that's a great idea. Let's think about it for a full year and then not actually talk about them until episode 50.
2: Lisa, I think longtime listeners know that that's not <laughs> exactly true, and I would encourage new listeners to go to the links in the show notes and listen to those four episodes covering Don and Norrin where we discuss this origin story. And the reality is you did not want to cover them on the first episode and you wanted training wheels. And those training wheels episodes were Scott Summers and Jean Grey. We tested out the concept of the show on those X-Men.
1: And I'm so glad we did because those first four episodes were not nearly as good as our episodes 50 through 53. Which may be my very, very favorite.
2: But the tragedy of podcasting is that so many people go to those early episodes to try us out for the first time. They're like, we don't want to start in the middle of the podcast. We got to go all the way back to the beginning with the Dark Phoenix Saga. And I am proud of those episodes, but they are not as good as where we are now or where we were when we did Don and Norn the first time.
1: Yeah, we were loosey-goosey. And um, if you want to hear some really hard edit points, that is a great
2: place to start. (laughs) Yeah, audio quality not so hot on those first few episodes.
1: We still occasionally have a hard edit point. That right there is the height of
2: podcast (laughs) comedy, Lisa. Uh, But you know, ever since we finished up those episodes on Don and Noren, we've wanted to return to them in some fashion. And behind the scenes, Lisa and I have been discussing this idea of a second opinion, where we return to couples with the creators of those couples to get their take on their relationship. And this feels like the perfect couple to launch this new idea, this new thing called comic book couples counseling, a second opinion. So this is a second opinion on Don and Norrin with Dan Slott, the co-creator in attendance. And the great thing is we can have a third opinion on Don and Norrin when we get Michael Allred and Laura Allred on the show, which is something we are also still working to make happen.
1: My fingers are crossed. My toes are crossed. My legs are crossed. My arm is crossed. My my buns are crossed. <laughs> Hot crossed buns. Yeah, one a penny,
2: two a penny. For those listeners who have not tuned into our previous four Don and Norrin episodes, Lisa, what is it about this couple that you find so appealing?
1: For me, it truly is all about Dawn and how even though she is ostensibly unpowered and unextraordinary. She is a critical member of this partnership from the moment she and Norrin meet. And she never thinks of herself as less than. She never thinks of herself as the the sidekick. They are the Silver Surfer and Don Greenwood. Yeah,
2: she sees herself as the main character. And I think we actually see her as the main character of this run.
1: As a woman, as like a human being, everybody does this. Like I feel so much compare and despair sometimes. Mm. And it sometimes is hard to read a comic book and go like, oh, well, I'm not extraordinary. I'm not like super hot or strong Where's or me in this book? Yeah, and when I saw Dawn and she was whimsical and silly and willing and ready to help and just bottomlessly generous, I was like, I can do this. I can be this. I can start being Don Greenwood today. I can be a hero today.
2: When we talk about Superman, especially as he is written in the Grant Morrison run All-Star Superman, mm-hmm. we talk about how he is a symbol for humanity to strive toward, right? He's what we could be. We, we, we we're we always in reach of Superman. And that's... Also true for Don Greenwood.
0: Yeah, right?
1: Don Greenwood is us on our best day, when our love tank is full, when we are just, you know, when we've had our morning coffee and we had a good idea. Like, she is our best self. And even, you know, she has her moments. She has her... Um, anxieties and insecurities. But-
2: Dark times. In rereading Silver Surfer, I forget sometimes about the low points in Don's arc. And yeah. they get really low.
1: Yeah, and, and she makes mistakes. And... What sends us tumbling into the end of the arc can also be construed as like kind of a mistake. But she's just a person who is doing the best that they can. That is what I try to ask of myself. Like, okay, I I might not be perfect, but I can do the best that I can today.
2: Yeah, Dawn is a character that we talk about in this house, in this apartment. And we say like, well, what would Dawn do? Mm,
1: yes, yeah. yes. We do make a reference to my appearance in Silver Surfer 200. Um, I'm in
2: that book too, Lisa. I took the photo. It says photo credit, Brad Gullickson. I'm in a Marvel book as well.
1: So if you um, have, I know that it's in the comicsology version of the single and, issue. And
2: the Marvel Unlimited. It's in the digital copy of issue 200 of Silver Surfer. But
1: it's not in the omnibuses. No. I did not ride the Omnibus. You did Ooh, not. Uh, Local reference. <laughs> Hi, Ariel. Yeah, and
2: former CBCC guest on our Darwin Cook Parker episode. Link in the show notes. Oh, that's
1: right. Oh, you love to leave them links. I love links. <laughs> but if you go back to the, like the back matter, there is a photo of me cosplaying as Don Greenwood next to a super ripped guy who is cosplaying as Silver Surfer, who is not Brad Gullickson. No, uh,
2: it's uh, Live Long and Cosplay on Instagram.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm super proud that I'm in a Marvel comic. I'm super proud that my sweetheart took the picture. And so in my heart, I'm always a little bit Don Greenwood, and Don Greenwood is a little bit me all of the time.
2: This conversation you're about to hear with Dan is so special. And not just... Brad and Lisa. Like, I think this conversation is something that the universe has not yet been gifted. It is a total deep dive on their Silver Surfer run. It's like an hour and a half conversation exclusively about Don and Norrin.
1: This is a hot Valentine's date with yeah, Dan. Yeah, we would
2: have loved to have talked Spider-Man. We would have loved to have talked She-Hulk with Dan.
1: But we have priorities.
2: Priorities, and those priorities are Silver Surfer. So we need you, the listener, to be up to date on that run. We are going to spoil the entire thing.
1: I am a little jealous right now of those of you who are reading this run for the first time because that first read is just magical. It
2: is a book that you wish you could go back in time and read again. Yeah. Totally agree. I'm actually just thankful that we're getting a new print of the Omnibus on March 7th, the new giant hardcover of their Silver Surfer run. We have the original Omnibus. We love it. So glad that Marvel deemed it worthy enough to get more copies out there into the world.
1: You should get yours so we can be Omnibus buddies. That being said,
2: don't wait for the omnibus no no (laughs) the the issues are on marvel unlimited go read all of those issues now and then come to this conversation because again we are gonna spoil everything hit pause go back read the issues three two one major spoiler coming up here it is don greenwood dies. yeah yeah And I haven't
1: stopped crying. One piece of me is always crying.
2: Our conversation with Dan sort of begins at the end of the run, We're ruthless. Yeah. We go
1: right to the heart of the matter.
2: This is an episode for like-minded, silver surfer, all red slot obsessives. And if you're a one of us, you are gonna die over this episode. It's gonna (laughs) kill you, it's so good.
1: Yeah, in a good way, die in a good way.
2: Die in a good way.
1: Yeah, like Dawn. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's terrible, but true. Yeah. But true. And when you get done with this episode and you need more Silver Surfer chatter in your life. And who wouldn't? Head on over to the Comics Collective podcast where Lisa and I will be guesting on to discuss in length the entirety of the Silver Surfer run by Allred and Slot.
1: I'm about ready to start fisticuffs with Dallas because he keeps (laughs) tweeting how this run of Silver Surfer is his all-time favorite comic. And I'm like, no, it's my all-time favorite comic. Back off, friend.
2: We're going to have to have that fight on air.
1: That's how monogamous I am. I'm like, only one boy forever, one book forever.
2: And I appreciate that. I also really love how February becomes the month where comic book couples counseling guests on all the podcasts.
1: They want to get in on our love fest.
2: In addition to Comics Collective, I recently was on the A Bite Of podcast Mm -hmm. talking about the third episode of The Last of Us, the most devastating hour of television ever. Uh, Lisa and I were on the Short Box podcast talking to Bodder about comic book couples counseling, what we do here and why. And over at the Oblivion Bar podcast, I rambled on for so long about the DCU news that they had to split that episode up into two parts.
1: Yeah, our, our sexual relationship monogamous, our podcast relationship Swang swingin'.
2: We put it out there. We like to dangle <laughs> on the internet and you can find links in the show notes to all those episodes. Go send some love to those podcasts.
1: I gave myself the creeps with the way I said swingin'.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're such a prude. You, I am. You like to pretend like, oh, I love Magic Mike XXL. I like all this sexy stuff. But then when we talk sexy stuff, you're like,
1: mm, i <laughs> You went to see Magic Mike with Brian.
2: I did because you couldn't handle how sexy it was Lisa.
1: I I also was working. Excuses,
2: excuses, uh, and I think that's like the perfect place to stop and just get into our Dan Slot conversation. We do discuss with Dan why his Silver Surfer run is so chaste. Not at all like Magic Mike XXL or The Last Dance.
1: No spoilers of Magic Mike. And
2: we also do talk about your relationship with Silver Surfer Black.
1: Mm, yes, yes. Still mad about it.
2: But I think that's enough teasing of this conversation with Dan Slot. Let's bring him into the love nest and get to it. Dan, welcome to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello.
3: Brad. Hey, Lisa.
1: Hello, we could not be more excited to have you in the love nest. Yay!
3: Lisa, are you gonna do the
2: first question? I
1: have, I have. Uh, we did that rock, paper, scissors. I'm opening question. Um, so um, I'm going back to something that Tom Brevort is often quoted saying. So this Silver Surfer run tricked people into reading a romance comic. And I am of the opinion that all comics are romance comics, but why would comic book readers have to be tricked in order to read a romance comic?
3: They they don't. Comic book readers are smart and handsome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Flattery will get you (laughs) everywhere.
3: Um, It's not, you know, when I was a little kid and I was picking up my my Spider-Man and Marvel team up and Marvel two in one every month with my quarter, um, I had a habit for like, I would skip over any page that had Aunt May in it. I'd be Mm -hmm. like, "Oh, that's gonna be boring. Do I want to hear about Aunt May not being able to make the rent? No. <laughs> I want to see Spider-Man fight Electro. Screw that. Uh, and it wasn't until I got, like, a little older and it hit the double digits where I went, no, I like the Aunt May pages and the Peter-can't-get-a-date pages. And, you know, it's all it's all of a piece. Um, but I do get the, you know, like the little kid in uh, Prince's Bride. Oh, the kissing part. Oh. Can we yeah. skip it, Grandpa? Can we skip it? But yeah, that's the fun. If you care about these characters so much, um, but it takes time, you know. You guys didn't look into each other's eyes and have love at first sight. No, you you had to work. He had
1: mutton that. chops at the time, so definitely no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and now you don't have them. Welcome to being in a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, it's it's interesting. Like I was the exact same way when I was starting out reading comics but then like puberty happened and I discovered like oh girls are cool and then I realized like my soap operas were comics like I was so invested in the relationship of Mary Jane and Peter Parker and I would say (laughs) Mary Jane yeah (laughs) yeah Mary Jane was like a first crush for me you know uh and so like I do feel like comics do serve and do often trick readers into reading romance stories
3: there's there's like moments in the early lee ditko spideys where like uh vultures attack the daily bugle or something and Pete gets to spend time with betty under a desk and he's so happy yeah it's it's these moments that you go you know there if you don't have those moments in the you know in your back if they're not if you haven't put them in there it's not going to mean it's not going to make the fights or the big cosmic conflicts matter there won't be any stakes um you have to care about these characters and love them um like we you can tell at the beginning of Surfer mm. that as soon as uh dawn is put in that that cube that the that's going to be his motivation to free her because she's the most important person in the universe we knew we were eventually gonna get there, so it's predestined. Um, and then once you, you, the reader, are told this, the fun is watching this relationship grow over time. Um, but you know, you know you're gonna to get to that beat where they are the most important people to each other eventually.
1: Before the Impericon happens, you and Mike put a lot of emphasis on how content Dawn was in her life before Silver Surfer came along. Like, I think that she could have lived her entire life on Earth and been content. Mm-hmm. But it was Silver Surfer who was struggling with this immense shame. And he really, he, he needed Dawn for that redemption. Like, why was it so important to you to make Norrin need Dawn more than Dawn needed Noren?
3: Um, I think it's more like, one of the things that, Tom and I talked about really early on, one of the things we liked about Dawn as a character, Uh, even though we were clearly building off the Russell T Davies new dynamic in Doctor Who with the companion, uh, we saw Dawn as a Miyazaki heroine. We saw her as like, when you get these characters, their lives are perfectly fine and content. You know what it is. Like in all stories, you want to throw a character out of their comfort zone and show them something new Um, to eventually you get to the point where I, I think Dawn has her best life with the server.
0: Yeah, like yeah.
3: she's comfortable and happy, and would probably always be that way in Anchor Bay. I don't know, or would she? Like a lot of times when you're working on a something you care about, you, you know, you're obviously going to pull from your own life. You're going to pull all the things that matter to you, so you matter more about it when you're now in the fictional world. Uh, and Anchor Bay is clearly Hyannis, Massachusetts. Mm where I spent practically every summer at my grandma's house um, growing up. Our whole family, uh, on my mom's side, we would, even though it was a very large house, uh, my mom's side of the family is very large. And we would cram everybody into this big old house in Hyannis and we'd all spend the summer. You know, people's arms and legs would be coming out of the windows. But that house is the uh, Greenwood Inn. That house, like I sent, uh, my tons of reference photos. And whenever I go back to Hyannis to visit my parents, um they live on the same stretch that the, that house is on, but they've moved to a tiny, like little cottage. And different people live in that house now. And there is that twinge of nostalgia, which has a little bit of sadness in it. Whenever I walk down the beach and I look at that house and other people are there. Mm. Um, would you be content? You know, life throws you all kinds of curves. You know, especially if you're someone who lives in the the northeast, you know, there could have been storms, there could have been all kinds of things that wreck that house or force families to move. You're only content until, you know, life throws you a curveball. You're and content until
1: like you know what you're missing. Like I feel like if Dawn had never met Norrin, she would not know that she had this like tremendous, you know, she could have had this tremendous future.
2: And that she has this gift, like, you know, as as a Miyazaki heroine, mm-hmm. you know, with kindness as a weapon, empathy as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. It's know, not like, a weapon. Well, well uh,
1: it's, it's her superpower. It's her super superpower. Power.
2: Let's go superpower, yeah. It's yeah. not a weapon, it's not a weapon. But like, you know, for us, when we read this in singles, we, you know, we fell in love with it immediately, but its power really only took hold of us in the years since, you know, as we have struggled, a, as society around us has struggled, or uh, we recognize the struggle with it, that society is facing, that someone like Don really is as powerful as the Hulk or Spider-Man or insert any other superhero. Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer.
3: Yeah, no, it's Dawn wouldn't be who she is if you didn't get to that point in um, around 10 11 in the first run, where if you didn't honestly believe she would walk away from all of it because of Surfer's character. Mm-hmm. This is someone I don't want to be with. It literally takes them being trapped in a place in an eternity together for her to, to crack through that shell and to go you are the person I want to be with. If if the second she learns about Galactus, she's done. In her mind, she's done and she wants to go home and she's she would be perfectly fine. Never seeing the cosmos, never seeing any of this stuff because she has the strength of character that she doesn't want to be with someone like that. She has to be at that point. We have to believe she will pull that trigger and she'll be perfectly fine. Yeah, which which on some level makes her stronger than Norrin. Um, I like I like all the stuff she does where Norrin would never think to silver down. He does right. it as a strategy. He does it as a strategy to get into the Impericon, and then once he does it, he would never ever consider doing that because that makes you vulnerable. And why should you ever want to be vulnerable? Yeah. And it's Dawn that gets him to do that. Like even though it's a really tiny little beat. Uh, when the first time we did one of the uh, anthology issues where you get a lot of little stories. Mm -hmm. The one where she gets him to silver down and Captain Scar chops off his arm. He's like, (laughs) yeah, I'm not doing that ever again. (laughs) Yeah. That's the stupidest thing in the world. Why would I ever silver down if I don't have to? That's the thing I deal with a lot when I'm looking at certain characters. Like when I was writing She-Hulk, why would she ever want to be Jen Walters? Right if I ever got a chance to write Captain Marvel uh, for DC, you know, there is that, why would you ever say Shazam a second time? Yeah. You know, why not just stay there? And there are reasons, but it takes many, many issues to go into that and to play around with it and to have fun with it and to get into the characters' heads.
2: When you were initially mapping out the first chunk of story for Silver Surfer, I'm I'm sure you knew that Don was going to have to learn about the surfer's history with Galactus being a herald, and I like from from my perspective reading it, I knew that that was coming, but I was you're kind of dreading, dreading it. it yeah. yeah, good. When when you're writing it, are you dreading it, or are you like, yes, it's <laughs> here it comes?
3: Uh, it, it's uh, honestly, it's it's a uh, choice too, hmm. because you know, as a you know, as as a comic creator, someone who's collaborating with the artist. You know it's going to be this, all oh, this big hunk of drama meat that you're going to get to like devour. That oh, all the emotions are going to come out, and all the oh, look, you know, ah, this big anvil is going to drop. You can look at the um, free comic book day issue, yeah, where we did the short story, where it's really like a blueprint. It's giving you everything you need for the over story. Of everything we're gonna do, so there is that beat where all the, the sea, the amphibious creatures of Nauticus are all going like, it's the Herald. Mm-hmm. She's like, Why are they calling you Herald? You know, <laughs> like we're totally gonna drop that hammer on you later. You know it. You know it from that point of view. We've taken the. Potential energy, we've lifted that thing up and you're just waiting for the kinetic energy to happen for it to slam down. And oh my God, there's going to be drama.
1: (laughs) My second favorite couple in Silver Surfer is Eternity and the Never Queen. And the idea that Eternity, who contains all that ever is, like is infatuated with all that ever could be. Like when did you have like, and the Never Queen is there from the very beginning. Like, yeah. what was the inspiration for the Never Queen, and and how was it balanced? Like, kind of mirroring the love of Eternity and the Never Queen to the love of Don and Noren.
3: Well, it's it's the all powerful with the potential, and mm. and that's, you know, you, you pretty much nailed it. Like, I, I remember I was um, taking a, a an English course in college and we were gonna start studying Twelfth Night. And um, the the instructor said, like, does anyone have any questions? And I asked this question that got to the heart of Malvolio being undone at the end. And does that make them all assholes? And why do I like any of these characters? And he went, you just ruined my first two weeks of <laughs> the lectures. Thank you. <laughs> you. You pretty much hit it. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what they are. Is they are a reflection of of Don and Norrin. Um, but on a cosmic level, you know, it's fun. When you work in the Marvel universe, um, there are parallels and anagrams and all these, every piece of any puzzle you need is there because there've been so many creators throwing ideas into the pool for 60 years that there's something out there that will help you tell your story. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
3: And if there's not, the other beautiful thing about the Marvel universe is you can create it. So having eternity there and then being able to go, ah, oh, oh, I want to do this thing. Here's the never queen. It, it's kind of frustrating. Cause like I had this stuff I wanted to do with the griever at the end of forever. And it just, it never seemed to click the way um, the never queen did. And a lot of that, and it, it's no, is that we had so many different artists on fantastic four and on Silver Surfer, we had Mike Allred all the yeah. way through. <laughs> and I, I'm i starting to get that vibe with Mark Bagley on Spider-Man because I know he's never going to miss a deadline. He the fastest human being on the world uh, drawing. And I've worked with Umberto Ramos and John Romita Jr. That Like, if you put them in a land speed race, you know, all the other artists in comicdom would be like, what the hell? There used to be a joke about John Byrne lo- losing a third of his pages to friction.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it, it's like that with these guys. And, and when you're lucky enough to work with someone, like we we live in a, a day and age where you get these superstar artists that draw every last aglet on the shoelace, you know, in, in a crowd scene. But to do that, you it eats up weeks so you get an artist who does eight issues a year of a book. And then there's a B artist.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. And then
3: no one really feels like they have ownership of the book. And when I grew up, you know, you had a run of this writer and this artist on this book for a good long time. Yeah. And those days are gone, but they're not. Because you have these rare gems like Mike Allred and Mark Bagley. And I just, oh my God, my life is so good you know if anyone got close to like i i would like to work with mark bagley i'd be like i will kill you <laughs> and, and the mike and i uh haven't worked together since surfer because um our schedules have always been misaligned
0: mm-hmm. every now and then
3: we we would talk to each other and go like i want to work with you man i want to work with you, man um we're finally getting it out of our system in the near future uh we're Ooh. scratching that itch uh in a project that hasn't been announced yet, which will have uh, a collection of stories. And we will be, we'll do a short, we're doing a short story together.
2: Yeah. Oh man, um, that's crazy exciting. Cause you know, I, I just reread the last issue this morning in preparation for this conversation. And at the end of that, you have you know your letter to the reader and mike's letter to the reader and at the end there is like this promise of like getting the gang back together yeah, you mike and laura it does feel like to use your word a gem you know it's rare to have something like this a collaboration that feels like a collaboration mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, where all the energy just syncs up perfectly on something like this and it's clear to me when Surfer does come up on social media channels, uh, you,
3: Mike, you you have a tremendous love for this story. Oh yeah, and but also we also love how much it's affected people. I've been to so many shows where you know couples will pull up their their sleeves and they've got matching uh, all red Surfer tattoos um i've I've seen a a couple of eternity never queens Uh, i've seen a lot of uh don sleeping on the surfboard um it's crazy i've seen one of the the kiss the first kiss yes uh people put this on their bodies for life (laughs) and you're like that's anyone comes up to you like every now and then you get someone who who dumps on it and it has no effect whatsoever because i'm bulletproof i'm Mm. bulletproof on this one because i know somewhere out there there's someone that this is their favorite so it's fine if you don't like it because you think surfer was too uh weak or didn't have the grandeur or the oh my god i woke up uh, like it was a couple weeks ago i woke up and i had the and the, it's not that you have a dream. It's that you wake up and your mind is refreshed and suddenly this entire surfer arc crammed into my head. I knew how to do this surfer mini series that would be epic. You know, it's post dawn, there's no dawn in it. And Ooh. it would be where the dawn surfer dawn era was kind of whimsical. This would just be like, you know, full on Kirby. Just, you know, giant square fingers coming forward. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, this is too good. This is too good. And I called up Mike and I went, Mike, would you want to do Surfer again? But no romance, it's this. It's about this and this relationship and it's about this thing. And I was walking him through it and he was like, that is awesome. And I'm like, do we want to open, you know, we've You don't want to go back and mm-hmm. do the same thing. Like maybe we should try a run at Doctor Strange, or maybe we should try a run of this or that. Like maybe we should not go back to this. Leave it in the bottle. Then I ran up by Breivort. He was like, "That's really good, but do you you don't want to do this? You don't want to <laughs> you don't want to be the guys who you know come back to bat on this exact same character." I'm like, "No, it felt weird." It, felt... it would be
2: weird. I mean, it would be weird for us. We've yeah. discussed that possibility and we're unsure of
3: it. <laughs> yeah. I, when I tell people the, the gag, they go, oh, that's good. And they're like, no one's ever done that. No one's ever done that. I'm
0: mm. like, oh.
3: But it felt super strange to write Surfer in Fantastic Four without Mike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt so weird, you know, to have, even though other people were drawing him gorgeously. Um. It would just like, no, oh, I I feel like I'm cheating. I feel like I'm going behind my partner's back and smooching someone. Sure. It, it just felt weird. Uh, I don't feel that way about Spidey because I've worked on Spidey with so many different people. Mm. But there is such, this is mine and Mike and Laura's Silver Surfer. This is our jam. The, there, there is a point really early on uh, in Surfer where because uh, when push came to shove, if I if I was running late on two projects, Marvel would be like, get the Spider-Man book done. The Spider-Man book makes Marvel this much money and that's how long it'll keep the lights on at Marvel. Versus if you do Surfer, it's the quirky book, which won't bring in as much money. Get your Spider-Man plot in. We'll be fine on Surfer, can miss a week and miss two weeks, but Spider-Man can.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's why you'd see these gaps. And uh, in time, it was never Mike. It was always me. And uh, at one point, Tom went, Dan, I'm laying down the law. You know, we can't keep having these gaps in Surfer. And here is an inventory story. It's going to run. Here's what it is. Here's the writer. The writer's, you know, everything's fine. This is a good story. And he sent me the story and I read it. And it did one of the things I promised myself I was never going to do with Don Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gave her power, superpowers. Oh, oh,
0: yeah, no. Yeah. yeah.
3: It gave her superpowers, uh, even though it undid it by the end of the story.
0: Yeah. You no. kind of
3: flipped the dynamic and explored that. And it was a perfectly fine story. It was a good story. And I, I said to Tom, I usually let, you know, not, not let Tom win arguments. Tom wins on <laughs> He's an editor. But I went, that's really great, Tom. And I'm sure that writer will do a great job on the issue after it. And the issue after that, they can be the new surfer writer. That's great. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, anyway, glad you
2: stuck to your gut. Yeah.
3: It was one of the rare times. And I'm like, oh, God, because usually I, I cave on everything. But that was like, no, I, this is this is my book and Mike's book and it's going to be this way all the way through. And if it craters because of sales, because we've stayed off the rack too long and it's my fault, I will live with that. <laughs> someone, before we ever had an omnibus come out, someone put out a, uh, some fans make their own omnibuses. Yep. They self bind, And this one guy who did one for surfer did had such a great design sense and the way they used existing art and everything to build content pages and this and the, the whole design for the book, like, and he posted it online. And they did the thing that some people do in their custom bound surfers. The uh, issue eleven unfolds. Oh,
0: very cool.
3: Very <laughs> you know? cool. So you're like, and I was looking at it online, going, "Wow, this guy put so much love and effort into this." And on his content page, next to each story title he put down the publishing day and it became a, uh, it was horrified. I was horrified to look at this. It was like, <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. This is a page of shame. Look at how many weeks went by without a silver server. Months. went. I by would
2: years. always oh take a complete work that has been delayed. Then mess with the vibe
0: the
1: issue was worth the wait yeah and, and now that like we do have this whole story i don't think about those gaps at, at all, all. Yeah. you know
3: and the yeah. thing is to be to be 100 fair tom has had that view occasionally on other books so mm-hmm. for example civil war just waited yep. till steve mcniven was done yep. and tom had decided when this thing is collected that is for the best mm-hmm. um and it is where conversely, I remember years ago, Fabian Nisiesa and Kevin McGuire were doing a Captain America special, and you got two and a half issues, and then they went, We can't wait anymore. And then they got another artist to finish an issue and a half. Yeah. And even though people bought that off the rack, you never see that collection imprint. Yeah. You don't, because yeah. it's got that horrible, you know, left swerve, even though the other artist is perfectly fine you like you like getting that unit I mean I've I've gotten over it because of you know being on the brand new day team and putting out Spider-Man twice and three times a month you there's no human alive outside of John and Rita Jr they could possibly do that and not die except John and Rita Jr <laughs>
0: so
3: but yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, backley too backley did that with uh with with Bendis on Ultimate. Yeah. They can put out 18 issues a year, for God's sake.
0: So
2: crazy.
3: Can you think of another human being? And it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. 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 We
2: adore that run. It's a great run as well.
1: Yeah. Another comic that made me cry. So like I love message books. Like the, the whole premise of this podcast is like we dive into comics to extract life lessons that we can like apply to our lives and make our marriage better and our life better. One of the things that I love about Silver Surfer so much is that it just, it has given me this vocabulary to talk about like what true love means to me and what true love feels like. And like when you were starting Silver Surfer, were you going in with like, I have something to say about true love or did you, do you put the characters on the board? And when they start playing these life lessons kind of reveal themselves?
3: Um, there were some things that evolved over time
0: mm-hmm.
3: where as you're working on it and the pieces of the puzzle are coming together, you go, ah, okay, this is where we're heading and this is what the characters are informing me about. This is what Mike and Laura are informing me about. This is what the readers are informing me about. That It all kind of grows together. Um, but then it's neither one or the other because there's also I knew from day one that surfer was going to go back through time and I knew how how the story was going to end Mm -hmm. um there were I I feel bad in that I I kind of tricked Mike Allred into doing something early on I kind of did the um you know, that, that thing that uh, mediums and uh, psychics do, which is all flim-flam, where you're uh-huh. like, you know, I think Dawn should have a standard look, like the way Clark Kent always had the blue suit and the red tie. So whenever we see her, we know she's <laughs> always the same, you know, and it's kind of like her uniform. And he's like, oh, okay. And then you would then be drawing, him, Man, I think you should have a pattern. What do you think? <laughs> You know, and then he'd be, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, dots, polka dots, yeah, that could work. We should try that with different colors. Or yeah, you know, red. I think red, and she, we could nickname her ladybug. <laughs> oh, this, this has been such a great collaboration. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> Where it was all a trick, and then the closer we got to the end, I'd been like sitting on this for so long, and it was eating me up it was like how long can you keep a secret i've gotten way better at it because of Mm -hmm. mcu stuff Mm -hmm. or like if you tell the secret you're dead um (laughs) but back then i like we made it for so long made it a couple years without me telling mike allred about the dots Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i can i know the exact moment i cracked because it was once we knew we were heading towards the end that i i walked mike through the entire end And he was all ecstatic and he thought it was great. And He was bouncing off the walls going like, oh, this is going to be fun. And that's where the, the, the Kirby crackle comes from. And oh my God. And he was like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And it was right before the story where they go to the cosmic casino.
1: Mm -hmm. Yay.
3: Infinite all in.
1: Infinite all in. I love it.
3: And we always had the rule that she could wear different things as long as it had red and dots
0: um
3: because there's only so long you want to draw the same costume um and also yeah well we'll double back to that but like he we're doing the infinite all in and she needs like an elaborate dress and he did the Kirby crackle on the dress <laughs> instead of the dots. And I was like, Mike, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm foreshadowing. No, do not foreshadow. <laughs> it's already foreshadowed. It's red with dots, man. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're good. You're, you're going to give it away too soon. And he's like, all right, all right. And from then on, so it's that one issue. I told him about the ending right That's before so we funny. did that issue. And he made it. He switched it to Kirby crackle. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Like <laughs> we only we only fought over one thing through the Ooh. entirety of Silver Surfer. We only had one. And to even call it a fight is silly because it's impossible to fight with the Zen mastery of peace and calm and happiness that is Mike Allred. He's just so wonderful and lovely. Um, which was it was right in the first thing we ever did, which was the the free comic book day issue
0: hmm.
3: where the, the multiple panel gag where, where uh, Norrin tries to grow hair. Yeah. Mike wanted little tiny buds to pop in like, like, oh, like you know, just a little bit of hair. And I'm like, no, you're killing the joke. <laughs> <laughs> he will always be bald. He will always be bald forever. And he's, and we pushed back and forth on that over and over and over again and I'm like I, I'm putting my foot down it's bald 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 and he was like all right and he's like can we ever, can we ever have him with a beard I'm like I will write you a story where he has a beard I like <laughs> we'll him go, with a
1: beard I we'll like him a little scruffy beard. I do
3: but that that's the only fight we ever had was whether <laughs> he could grow hair with this power cosmic
1: well since we are t- talking directly to you you were correct if we, if we ever get the pleasure of talking to Mike Allred, I don't know where I'll stand. i will no, be correct. I it's contained, totally mul- I contained <laughs> multitudes. So um I want to go That's, back yeah. to the infinite all in idea because mm. like there has been no comic that has caused me to think more about Braz mortality mm. and my mortality than this comic book. And the idea of like finding your true love, you you do have a 50-50 shot of being devastated at the end of your life. And like, that is like the ultimate infinite all in. Like, I will take that 50-50 chance of <laughs> like, of- Of having,
0: experiencing li- loss.
1: Experiencing life after you, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And, and like having to be the person who does kind of memorialize the other person's existence. You know
2: would you then go back in time and watch me grow up as a child?
1: Um yeah maybe a little <laughs> maybe uh, lightly if that I could.
2: It's heartbreaking. But that, I
1: um, no,
0: uh
1: but through like throughout the comic they are doing like the these infinite all ins of like uh, like kind of climaxing with when they're like
3: on separate. the other ends of the universe.
1: Yeah when yeah. they go to the oh, under, other ends of the the great. universe oh. I like that the the all in that gets them stuck before the beginning of the universe is an all-in that they lost. Like yeah, they made, yeah. they took this gamble to go see Don's dad one more time and they lose. Was it important that they lose one since they had um, been like, like they've been oh, like the house always oh, wins kind of thing?
3: Yeah. I, I, I think the first time you really see Norville is in the infinite all-in as a ghost,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, like this time ghost going, Oh man, you took the wrong lesson from this story. He <laughs> took the exact—he's—he's he's telling you from the future. You're gonna—you're gonna gamble and you're gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more important for me—not the time they lose, but it was more important for me to have Norville there because everyone, everything in that issue is so happy and light and fun. Mm-hmm. To have the ghost of Christmas Future go bad things are coming. So you're like, no, we care about them. We love them. We don't want bad things to happen. Bad things always happen. You know, the lightning takes out that part of your house or, you know, this person in the family gets sick and it starts eating all your savings. Or there's always, there. you're gonna get trouble. You're not promised a free ride. You can't control what happens to you externally but you can control how you deal with it yourself, how you process it and what kind of defenses you've shorn up inside yourself. So, but it's fun as, you know, as we were talking earlier when Brad was doing the evil puppet master gesture. (laughs) Yeah, it is fun as the writer to let you know, of course, bad things are coming. There is no happily ever after, but there is happy and there is, you know, you know, contentment. There there are all these good things um, that are come from inside that nothing on the outside could take if you really want to protect it.
1: This is slightly out of order, but there's another lesson that I really enjoy. And it's um, the idea of like how you can get stuck in a time loop when you're coming up against a decision that is hard. So going back to that like Mobius issue, Mm -hmm is that time loop of i'm coming up against the decision and i keep getting stuck in this like same trap is that something that you find like in storytelling is that something that you find like in your life this idea of like sometimes you have to make the scary the scary decision
3: um yes <laughs> but um it's it's really hard to talk about issue 11 i remember um you guys know i'm 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 a huge whovian freak right I love my doctor who and when, uh, sometimes when I'm at shows and Stephen Moffat and his son, Louis, are there, they will go out of their way to stop by my table and I'll sign stuff for Louis and we'll talk. And I, and I am thrilled. And I was so thrilled to tell Stephen Moffat about this thing we're doing where I showed him issue 11 and this. And he looked at it, and he went, oh, so it's a gimmick. Mm. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, it's this thing I've so much love for He just called it a gimmick. When I pitched it to Tom, like there are certain puzzle boxes I would like to do in comics and certain things I've worked out, but the truth of the matter is you can't just sit down and do a puzzle box if there's not a reason to go through the journey, if there's no if you you aren't engrossed in it, if you aren't invested and have stakes in the characters. The puzzle box is meaningless. So I had the Mobius strip gag in my pocket for a long time. And it wasn't until I sat down and went like, I've got a story for this. Um, And we blocked everything out far enough ahead of time that I was able to spend oodles and oodles of time Mm -hmm. working out every last thing while Mike was still drawing other previous issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew where it fit in emotionally. There had to be a story behind it. It couldn't Mm -hmm. just be the loop and one of the things i'm very proud of is people who've read the story digitally don't know about the gag yeah. they just read the story and they like it <laughs> i'm like oh and then you tell them or you show them and they're like what yeah. this story does what because it couldn't translate to digital comics it just couldn't um i'm really mad because there's a Netflix series out now that has a gag that I've wanted to do for years. And whenever I've told people in comics I want to do this, they look at me, go, how would you even do that? How, that sounds impossible. And now I can point and go, huh? <laughs>
0: huh?
3: <laughs> you know, the show Kaleidoscope. I've wanted to do that gag oh. ever of doing the comics that you could read in any order. Mm-hmm. And you get a different experience and people would just go like, whenever I start explaining to it and I'd start using like the equivalent of hand puppets and show how it all works and slots together. And they go, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Or I don't, we're not doing the same gag, but we're doing something similar. in not this doctor who's special, but the next one. Mm. um I'm doing uh I'm living out the dream yeah and I'm doing one doctor Who special a year for Titan that's oversized um the first one's done it's in the can it's all drawn it's all penciled and colored and everything it's just waiting it's in its little nest uh and we're already starting talking about the second one which will come out in 2024 mm-hmm. and I know I'm gonna do because much like with with surfer 11. We couldn't have done that without that page count. There is no earthly reason that that and the 11th issue of a book should have that many pages. There, you know, that why we really had to bend a lot of rules and break a lot and just like beg Marvel, no, we have, have, please have faith in this. We need these pages. I honestly wanted one more (laughs) page, I wanted like stuff, yeah, whatever. But like with, yeah, we got, I know I have 58 pages to play with. So we've got in the second special, we're going to do a story where it's this story with the 11th doctor. And it's this story with the 12th doctor on opposite sides of the book. Ah, nice. Wibbly
0: wobbly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and which you don't realize. Yeah. It's like, they're both going to the same planet, but at different points in time. And you go, what? Wait, Huh? And you won't, if you, depending on which issue you read, you will get a different, first you will get a different experience than someone else reading it Hmm. who read the flip side. I dig that.
1: I want (laughs) to, I I just want to put it out there. People who say that gimmicks are inherently bad are just wrong. (laughs) Like there are plenty of stories that do not have gimmicks that are shitty. You know what I mean? Like I love gimmicks. And because of the puzzle box aspect, and I did have two completely different experiences when I read issue 11 the first time and issue 11 the second time, because and issue 11 the third time, because the first time, like I screwed up reading it. I had the single issue, but I just messed up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I didn't follow the instructions. You know, I Good. just messed up. And then the second time I read it, I was stressing out about getting it right. You know what I mean? Like, okay, now I'm really gonna actually read everything. Like,
2: very least a thing to do.
1: And then, but then finally, that that third time that I read it, I really connected to Keen, ah. that, that character, and
0: you're, you're, his, getting to,
3: you're getting to my favorite part of the whole special. You're getting to my favorite part the the hidden Keen scene.
1: Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> how, and how he is condemning silver surfer, but at the same time, he, he as a, you know, a person who has this responsibility for all of these lives is going like, okay, I'll trade 1400. You know but what I mean? The
3: fun like, thing about the, the keen scene is mm-hmm. it's unreachable. The only way to get to the keen scene is to cheat and to just explore the entire comic. Yeah, um, yeah, And that was, that was, the reason that's my favorite beat was it was a beat I didn't know we had. And mm. it was a beat the structure took me to mm. that. Like there were certain things we knew going in just from like the planning session, just like the equivalent of here's the Ikea instructions that I've written. So you can build this furniture, Mike, Already, mm. And the <laughs> th- that can be very restrictive. And the beauty is Mike contributed so much. Like when you give someone this, script that is a literal straitjacket that like what does that do to your artist who is so creative and you know filled with all these ideas every aspect Mike Allred brought to the table kept making it you know incrementally better and better and bigger and stronger like he came up with the concept of having each panel shaped slightly like an arrow Mm -hmm. your eye in the right direction he started Going in and adding, you know, I I was doing this big, boom, here's my clunky Ikea furniture. And he was adding bevels and sanding edges and doing all these things to make it this work of art. But when I was, the the structure of the story, the Ikea instructions, as I started, you started building it, like you realized certain things would happen. Like we knew, I knew going in at the beginning, you're going to be stuck in this loop. And you're gonna the you're gonna get two strips per page, and one will be going the wrong direction, but eventually we're gonna come up with an Al Jaffe fold-in that'll get break you out. And I knew that the before we even began that there was gonna be such a repressive stranglehold on the art that I wanted to go to a full double page bleed of unfree. So yeah. we knew that was gonna be there, and then standard pages for your wrap up, so we knew. The basic shape and as i was writing it i was like wait a minute the the mobius strip even when it gets broken by the al jaffe thing it still exists and it's going backwards and it's going backwards to a point in time before the story has began and it's on the keen line what what's in what could happen with keen before the story begins that would be interesting enough for someone who cheats to read, and I was like, "Oh, oh, he knew he cheated. He did this thing. He has this horrible secret." And oh my god, yeah, that's great. So that was like the structure leading me to find a beat, and I was I was so happy because it totally go. It, it it also defined when you pick up Keen on Euphoria. Here's this guy literally eating his sorrows. And we're like, why? He's in paradise. And I I was hoping that when people, if they missed it and they read that in 12, that it would make them go back Mm. and find that scene in 11 is why it all works that way.
1: I don't think that Silver Surfer could have had his redemption in New New Haven without that. I don't think that Dawn would have been able to forgive him without putting herself in that same situation. Where mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. she was becoming the herald, and I don't think that Keen would have found it in his heart to forgive him without having that immense relatable shame. It's impossible to do the math of lives with love in your heart. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, you you also you get that beat with Don in it. You know where? Oh my God, I love the way Mike drew it. I love the way. Uh, I love the way that, uh, you know, and our letter did it. I love the way how everything came together. I'm horrible with giving my artists splash pages.
0: Mm.
3: When you look at like the entirety of everything I've ever written, I, I hate giving splash pages <laughs> because it's one image. Yeah. Like if you imagine reading a comic panel by panel on your iPad, it's the exact experience of one panel. Whoop, and then you move to the next. But what they but they also have the power if you read it in your hand of being this great big glorious thing. I usually only like them as page turns because uh, a splash page means you're forcing a page turn, and then it hits you with that one big bam. And I think about all the times in comics where like my favorite moments, the ones that like stay in your heart, usually come from splash pages like uh, buddy baker's i can see you now in animal man Mm. that's such an incredible page turn it's one of the most powerful things in comics or there's there's so many good ones where you you just the uh when mark wade did the uh return of barry allen oh yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and you get that moment where professor zoom's about to kill wally and then suddenly the lightning strikes and wally goes thank you but you get that page where it's like Somehow Barry Allen has come back from the dead as a lightning bolt to save Wally. And you're just like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. And it wouldn't, if it was panel one on a three panel page, it wouldn't have been as much. So there is power in a splash. And I know that like on an intellectual level, but when it's time to write the story, I have so many beats I want to put in. And to me, a splash page is wasted real estate. I, Mm -hmm. I, I'm just this grumpy old get off my lawn, man when it comes to splash pages. Um, So it better have a good reason. And usually you save your splashes for the lead. You know, the lead character, your book gets the splash or the villain gets the splash. And I just love that splash of everyone on New Haven going, you know, choose me and I will be your I will be, spare my world and I will be your herald. Like a whole planet doing that gets the splash. You know, sometimes you have to give the splash because if you're gonna throw a moon at Galactus, you gotta give it a
0: splash, yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, like the the thing that I've been wanting to talk to you about for a while is before we get to the end of Silver Surfer, Dawn has a moment where she gets to have a conversation with her mother
0: Mm.
2: and. It's not. It's like where it leaves Don. It's not like a completely solved or purged moment. Like it's it,
1: a closed loop. It's not a closed She's loop. In, her relationship with her mother is not resolved. And I'm
2: curious no. as to why you wanted to leave Don and her mom in that place before wrapping you, up the comic.
3: You don't. You don't get a clean ending on everything. Yeah. If you did, it wouldn't be life you're, you're going to be on your deathbed and you're not going to have everything solved. I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with if there's some kind of toxic relationship in your life and you cut it free, that's not on you. That's not on them. That's the universe. And you've done the healthiest choice. Mm. Um, you, you'll One of the things the surfer and the surf, you know, Norn is wise enough not to get an incandescent you know, thing for the mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not gonna leave light dawn to deal with her mother.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my
2: I didn't even think about what a that. <laughs> what a nightmare comic.
3: Yeah. No, he's smart enough to go, no, this last one's for you know light Norin.
0: Yeah.
3: You know, so that was also our solution to hand doctor. Mm. You know. Hand doctor you know Rose doesn't get hand doctor. Hand Rose gets hand doctor and then you're fine. Yeah. You know, like and Doctor isn't the doctor. Yeah. yeah, and 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 the same way Light Dawn isn't Dawn. Not that she's not a full three-dimensional being with her own hopes and fears and dreams. But yeah, it's it's that's not that's not the Dawn that he had all these adventures with and loves. Um and the same way that she shares probably some kind of light gene with uh Eve. You no know, right eve isn't on um yeah it's that yeah you know i have identical twin sisters right right yes, yes.
2: so okay now now i want to talk about i, I know you got a question but <laughs> you guys are adorable <laughs> we'll we'll get, we'll get to your question we'll get to your question but there is a version of this story where incandessa isn't the ending of the book either like where you don't have this version of their relationship continuing on this hollow planet why did you have to give us that oh why why, hmm. why
1: incandessa why
2: incandessa why incandessa don norin and the fam
3: oh like you're are you asking like why the first incandescent story no 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 no. the last oh, like it, why well, like, like,
1: but also the first
3: um <laughs> i i had a chance well not a chance i uh i asked doctor who people i know can i pitch for the show and I think they, they're they British and I think they didn't want to be rude. <laughs> they we're like, sure. Sure, guy who's never written a live action TV show. Sure, guy who's American and we've never hired an American to write Doctor Who before. Sure. Give us your pitch. <laughs> so I pitched them like four ideas. One of them is the story in Ooh. Doctor Who special 2023. Nice. Uh, but one of them was like, I could use this and serve her. Mm. And that was the incandescent story. I, I had a story where Don, where uh, the doctor and his companion go to a planet where everyone's made of holograms to solve all these ecological problems. And, and then at one point in the story, the doctor finds out that the companion he's been with for almost the entirety of the story is a hologram. They've swapped her out and she's on a conveyor belt. She's going to get chopped into meat. Oh, we don't care about the physical body. So now he's got to go save her. And I looked at that one. That could be a surfer story. And then once you write the story, in the process of writing the story, you're left with the end of, I now have created a duplicate that is living on this planet and can't leave. So when I'm looking at wrapping up the series, you want to tie up every loose end. I didn't like that there is a duplicate out there that was going to live her entire life alone. And so the wrap up to her story became, well, I'll give you a duplicate surfer, you know, not the real surfer, I'll give you a duplicate. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And then when I'm structuring the last issue, I'm like, oh, you could do a story because everyone was going to want Dawn to come back. Everyone was going to want an ace up the sleeve where he brought that energy back into the universe and somehow he's able to make Dawn. And I knew there's no way in hell Dawn is coming back. I've given her a great ending where someone's like, oh, the ending is so sad. No, it's not sad. She lived to be like 80 and she had a great life. She, she got to live out her entire life with Nora Rad. That Give me a better ending than that, than, than for her. Not for Surfer. For Surfer, he's the lonely guy on the board. But for Dawn, that's a beautiful life. Bringing her back just... Makes that unimportant. Uh, and it also means we knew when we were working on Surfer that the second we're done and Surfer goes back into the mighty Marvel universe where anyone can write a Surfer story, we knew the next guy who's writing Surfer isn't going to want to play with Don Greenwood. Right. They're going to want to play with their own characters. So that if you leave Don alive in our universe, that means eventually there will be a story where someone fridges her, someone um, makes her fall out of love with the surfer, someone goes, well, we had our time and I'm back on Earth. You know, there's there aren't that many options that the, what the next guy will do. So we kind of knew we had to put a bow around the present of put it in a box and that's it. This is the story of Dawn and Norton. And you can see it. In the very next surfer run, right? right. You could see it. And
2: <laughs> Lisa, I hate
1: that
0: so much.
2: Lisa's reaction to uh that issue,
3: which I guess we won't name, but yeah. Lisa was super pissed.
1: I was I, so upset.
3: I Not canon to me. I no, I love it and it's gorgeous. And I I love the writer and I love the artist. Uh so good. You know, I love uh Donnie and Trad and
2: there we go. It's been named. It's <laughs> no, it, Black. It, I love it. No, it's, beautiful. it's different.
3: It's, it's beautiful. And I remember being in, like, one of our, our uh, creator conferences things, one of our summits, and Donnie was walking it, walking us through his surfer. And I was like, oh, you know, that's really close to how we wrapped. Donnie, I want to give you these two issues. Read these two issues so you understand where the characters are. Oh, I'll read them. I'll read them. Now, I'm like, he's not going to read. And <laughs> I knew... Exactly why. Because I've been on the other side of that scene song, where someone's come up to me and go, oh, Dan, read these three issues before you write your thing. And I'm like, I'm not reading your three issues. I'm telling my thing. Everyone does that. And it's cool. And I love Silver Surfer Black. I think it looks gorgeous. And and I love the story Donnie was telling. But he's off in the Donnie Cates universe setting up Null and doing this and doing that to build his we all do that. We all build, there's a little slot verse, there's a Claremont verse, there's a Hickman verse. There, everyone has their own little things where they they build all the pieces. But at the end of the day, we all work for Marvel and Marvel owns the toys and they want the next Donny Cates or the next Dan Slott or the next Jonathan Hickman to be able to play with all this stuff. Us wrapping up Dawn's story and putting a bow on it was our way of safeguarding it. And this is like, oh, my God, I had a, a thing where I was working on Avengers Initiative where uh, Kirkman came over to me because he was getting ready to jump ship and just go image full time. And he'd worked on Irredeemable Ant-Man. Yeah. And he knew the second he was gone, someone will see if it was a woman, we call it frigid, but there, what's the male version? I don't know. Where it just, I think anybody
1: okay. fits in a fridge.
3: Okay, there you go. Anybody fits in a fridge. I love it. I'm sure Gail will sign off on that. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd get this bit. Where he just knew. He just knew they were going to snuff Ant-Man, his Ant-Man,
0: mm-hmm. because
3: it's so easy. And yeah. there's already been like four other ant and you just give the helmet to the next guy and everyone hates him. So it's really easy to just pop them off. And he was like begging me. He was like, Dan, can you stick Ant-Man in the initiative? Can you stick Eric in the initiative? I want him to live, I want him to survive. And I was like, okay, well, we'll find him a home and I won't kill him. And we stuck him, and that's where the whole Ant-Man Taskmaster relationship comes from, which I love. I love them beak bugs. And um, that survived. I passed it off to Chris Gage full-time and he kept Ant-Man alive. Um, But you could see it, the second second Kirkman was gone and he wasn't in the room, everyone was walking through their stories and a prominent writer went, okay, and here's where I kill Ant-Man. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you he can't. He's he's an initiative. we got him locked up. So everyone does that. And that's the game. And you can't hate the game because one day you'll be doing the same play to somebody else. And, oh God, we were in a, I was walking people through a Spider-Man arc. I, I think it was Clone Conspiracy. And I... Mention that J. Jonah Jameson's father dies, passes away from natural causes, and they were offered the chance to use the Jackal clone tech to keep him alive. And Peter convinces Aunt May not to do it. Like some people, some days, people you love have natural cause death and you let them go. And I walked through that story, and this one voice in the room goes, and I turn and it's Mark Wade, and I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, oh shit, he created Jay Jameson. Then I'm like, Mark, I'm so sorry. He's like just shaking it off. like. Mm. But yeah, it's like he thought he created this character that would live on in, in the supporting cast of Spider-Man, one of the greatest characters of all time. And you can't protect everything about that. But tomorrow, you know, someone could tell a story where Oh, that was an actor playing Jay Jameson, non-Jay Jameson, and I'm alive. You know, it, it's comics. Uh, we, we had a thing when we did um, Amazing Spider-Man 800, where I killed Flash Thompson. And I had a sequence. We we at One of the final scenes is Flash Thompson's funeral and Peter talking at it. And all the, the crowd is filled with characters from all during the run who know Flash, like Shawshan's in there, and all these different characters are, are at the funeral. And I made sure that characters from the um, the Rick Remender Venom run were, were there. And I had these two extra panels where you cut in close, and one of them who's a tech expert working for Project Rebirth, the Venom group, goes, like general, I've done a scan of the coffin. There's no body. Because I want to wink and let you know Flash will be back. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my editor, uh, Nick Lowe went, I am cutting those two panels. Mm. And they're like, why? And he's like, that that's not Flash's story. It's Peter's story. And what it takes it diverts attention away. It pulls you out of the story. And I know why you're writing this. And I'm like, to let people know Flash is alive. He's like, no, you're writing it to let the internet know Flash is alive. <laughs> you don't want people mad at you. And if I told you yesterday I killed Flash Thompson and you read a comic six months later where Flash Thompson, a door opens. Hi, it's Flash Thompson. Right. You would not blink. right? Mm-hmm. Yet people... In c- comic fandom, go! Oh my God, you killed Flash Thompson in the worst way possible, and oh my God! Blah, 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 blah. And you just got to let that go. I'm I'm still bad at that. I'm still horribly, horribly bad. Though conversely, I'm I'm sure I would pull like some kind of Starlin maneuver if anyone <laughs> anyone ever opened the door and Don Don Green would walk through. I would I w- I would immediately write the story going, Oh no it's my Don. Greenwood
0: Robot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be
1: on the on the record of I don't forgive Donnie Cates and I'm still mad. And that's <laughs> my right. No.
3: <laughs> it's totally your right. But I, I, I totally get it. like there were there were scenes I wanted to like if we had more room that I wanted to have, um that we just didn't have room for when we were tying up every loose end. I wanted a scene where it's Shalabal and all the Zen Lavians, and they've all got their blank, you know, clothing and their blank technology and no touch of Zen Lavian culture exists anymore. And I wanted Surfer to fly over to them. And since he'd lived through the universe twice, like he'd saved the memory of Zen Law. And he would reach out to them with his power cosmic and all their clothes would go back to Kirby clothes Mm. and all their things returned, and then he would look at them and go and you shall never deal with earth again mm. and she's like surfer my love i you are not my love shalom oh i would uh, that that you were going to get that sequence and there is no room for it and you're also going to get a sequence where he flies over and meets uh i i think he was still golden galactus at that point yeah life bringer like, yeah yeah i think he was still life bringer where he was going to touch base with Lifebringer. Going like, I saved you in another universe. I could have ended you. Mm-hmm. And if you ever turn again, I will. Mm. Like, I those were the two scenes I had no room for at the end of Surfer. Because you have to tie the Surfer Dawn beats more than you have to tie Surfer in the Marvel Universe beats. Mm. Um, yeah, had no room for that. We could have kept going for a little while longer. I think I, I we were lucky. We were very lucky because in kind of a firefly way that everyone has these fond memories of the 39 issues that exist, you know, um, we could have done too many. It got a little bloated when they came back to earth, just a little, it, it wobbled. Um, We Marvel saying, okay, enough was good. Uh, We fought for two extra issues. We got them. And thank God we had those two issues for the wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we knew the ending was coming. So we were starting to put the end maneuvers into play. So it had a nice way out, but yeah, we had, we had stuff. We, we easily had a story we were wanted to do with fire Lord um, mm-hmm. uh, where a planet he had like uh, averted Galactus to reveres him as a God. And he now rules that planet wanted to do a, a story. Like we had our next Surfer 11 ready, which would have taken a lot of time and effort, where Dawn and Surfer are sent into different dimensions and they're trying to get back to each other, and each in their other dimension is a character in a comic book. Mm. So Dawn can pick up a Silver Surfer comic in the dimension she's in, and Surfer can pick up a Dawn comic in the dimension he's in. In her world, the Surfer comic is over-the-top Jack Kirby art.
0: and and in
3: Surfer's Dimension uh, the Dawn comic is very clearly Little Dot from Harvey Um, (laughs) (laughs) like over the top silly comic and they can read each other's word balloons across dimensions they can read what the others saying, and it's this whole comic that eats itself alive in different styles as they're trying to get back to the correct dimensions and work it out Uh, so we had that in our pocket trying to think we There there are characters we would have loved to play with that we couldn't because they were out of the the universe at the time, like the FF, or have a real adventure with Surfer and Doctor Doom. Mm -hmm. um, there, there, There was stuff on the wish list that we wanted to get to that we didn't. But I think in the end, we were lucky to do everything we did and to have the room to end it and get out and to have it be this nice unit that exists all by itself. I, I think more than anything it's kind of taught us if we did this again we should build towards an end game and and do these self-contained things um they survive better over time
0: yeah
1: to me your run of silver surfer is perfect it like oh. I, I it is not just one of my favorite comic books but like one of my all-time favorite things that yeah. exists and I'm not a I'm not a tattoo guy so I don't have any Silver Surfer, Greenwood tattoos. I'm not
3: asking you to mark your skin for
0: life. But what? I, Surfer.
1: What I do have is my picture in Silver Surfer 200, and none of those tattoo motherfuckers <laughs> had that on me.
0: That's me. No, they don't. No, they
3: don't. <laughs> I, I, you, you exist in the uh, Marvel universe. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm with you 100. I love that I own a tow truck in the uh, yes. Cinema universe. Yes. I, it's not, and also a construction company in the Marvel Sony Universe yes so, so I good. that that it, to me that's so much better than like one of the no one is going to believe this no one is going to believe this this is a hundred percent true I hate being drawn into comics
1: oh really
3: I do not like being drawn into comics I don't like these portraits of Dorian gray running around the universe um, I don't mind it if you graffiti my name on a wall, if you stick my name on the restaurant. Different things that other artists have done. I've never asked for it. Um, I, I've actually asked for the opposite. I've actually mm-hmm. asked for, I are you drawing me? Is that me? I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> and when you look at the art in Silver Surfer 1, I don't think I look a thing like Reg Greenwood. <laughs> I don't think I look like Reg Greenwood at all. And it slowly happened over time. And I didn't notice it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's was so
3: like, funny. I'm like, I'm Don's fault? I don't know. <laughs> Why? You, yeah, he grows into Dan's fault. He yeah. turns into me over time. <laughs> like, I, I heard there was like a running feud that Claremont and Byrne used to have over Cyclops' boots. Mm-hmm. that <laughs> Claremont knew he was eventually going to get to like uh, Corsair <laughs> and he wanted Scott to have these swashbuckle boots. So there'd be a more of a link. And Byrne was of the opinion that no, he is Scott Slim Summers. It should be a slim cut boot. <laughs> uh-huh. And editorial would side with uh, Claremont. Mm. So he would have these buccaneer boots and no one would notice, but Byrne would draw them tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And eventually it would be the, he would slowly over like, you know, stop motion animation time. They would meld into the boots and then he'd be doing it that way for a few issues and Claremont would notice and go, where did the Buccaneer boots go? <laughs> and they pop back out,
0: uh-huh. you know?
3: So I, I think it was like that. Like I slowly became Reg Greenwood. And if I'd known that I would have been like, Mike, don't do that. Don't, don't. <laughs> Don't put me in a, but if they ever did that, like, you know, stuck me into Spider-Verse or stuck me into a movie or something, I'd be okay because it, it's the movies, but I, I just something about it. I don't, it, they did a, um, an amazing Spider-Man Spider Island issue where it's me swinging in saving Spider-Man That's that right. was done completely without my knowledge. And <laughs> I was like, it was a surprise to me when it came out. Steve. Wagner, a great, pretty, <laughs> it great moment. Great. It's, it's fun. But I'm like, oh god! And then I constantly have to run into these people going, "The ego on you!" And I'm like, I never asked for any. Of it. <laughs> I don't like it. There's there's a there's an issue. I think it's like the, Stan Lee meets Doctor Strange when they did all yeah. these family meets comics, yeah. where they did a version of that like Impossible Man goes to the current Marvel offices. Uh, Bendis wrote it, and I want I want to say Bagley drew it, and everybody in this in the Marvel offices, everyone who, that the impossible man meets is, and this one, like the Joe Quesada era, they're all like 20 to 30 pounds lighter. They're all uh, this guy, John Barber, who's an editor who has no jawline in real life. A lovely human being has a chiseled jaw in this art. And, <laughs> and it goes this way through the entire issue, the entire story until Somehow you magically get to Joe Casada's office, which I was rarely in. And I'm in there pitching a thing story for some reason, or like a poker based story. And I look photo accurate. And the only, fo- I don't look too heavy. I look exactly the way I look in real life as a, you know, overweight human. And I'm like, was I supposed to slip Bagley at 20? what the hell what I'm standing next to like Joe Casada, who looks like he could be chiseled into a freaking Hasbro Marvel Legends action figure Uh I'm like what the hell man (laughs) do not like oh my god
1: we we've commissioned a few pieces of us and one of them is actually for our 50th episode we did me and Brad as Don and Silver Surfer Oh. And, um, and I was like, and it's a pretty photo accurate Brad as silver surfer.
2: Well too photo
0: accurate. And, um, oh. I was
1: like showing it to people without, you know, like going like, not thinking like, this is what my husband looks like naked. I'm like,
0: well, oh, it's a sheath.
2: So, like, I'm silvered <laughs> up. I'm silvered <laughs> up.
0: I'm <fine. laughs>
2: really oh my God, Lisa.
0: Yes. Last question.
1: Last question. Oh, oh
3: I'm sorry. But this is my request and it's yeah. now being recorded and you can't edit it. Okay. I want that image to be the image for when you do the uh, the audio thing, when you put it up we, online. I we want to can. see these action figures.
2: We we, we can do it. We can Okay.
3: Do it. I want to see these two action figures together. That's it's a poster. It's, it's a, poster. a poster. it's a poster. It's a poster. Okay. Good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's
1: a Yeah. We don't have it right behind us. We have a different poster right behind uh. us. Okay. I would not change a thing about okay. Silver Surfer. I'm just putting that out there. It is totally a, cool. If it is a perfect work, um, yeah, and it yeah. is the most romantic thing. Well, perfect to me, for me. Um, uh, like, I'm I'm trying to word it perfectly in my head. And here we go. Awesome. It is like the most romantic book ever, but it is also like extremely chaste. Chaste,
0: like, oh, oh, it's absolutely. Chaste.
1: I wouldn't change that. I'm just wondering.
2: <laughs> this is when, your last question?
1: Yeah. Okay. When Don and Nora do it, are they, is he silvered down all of the time or just some of the time?
3: Here's, here's the way I'm going to answer that. If, if I could go back and make one change, like, okay, there, there is, there, there are two changes I would make. And I believe one has been done for the uh, new release of the, uh, the omnibus, which there is, at the time there hadn't been a Bill Cosby scandal I, mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, I did a Bill Cosby joke. Uh, that has been changed. That one oh, yeah. balloon has been changed. Um, I hope it'll let the story live longer <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, it's a speed bump when you hit it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not even a funny Bill Cosby joke. And I replace it with a joke that is on the same equal level of just being unfunny.
0: So
3: <laughs> it's Yeah, it's where it's a uh, Don is talking to Eve And she's like, where are you going to next? And she's going to Zermatt in Switzerland. I'm going to Zermatt. She's like, that's not a real world. Zermatt. It's like, that sounds like a a sound Bill Cosby would make up.
0: Right, okay, yeah.
3: And now it's like, that sounds like a sound a bug zapper would make. Zermatt. It's equally (laughs) unfunny, but it's no longer a speed bump while you read it. Because you go, Bill Cosby, oh my God, what? (laughs) Um, There were, no, but it it was written ages ago.
0: Right.
3: Um, And I know Mike would want to change, and I'd like to change it to the the thing where they're clearly going to Hamilton and they changed it in the office because there had been like 8am Hamilton jokes that week in comics out of no one, no one planned it. Like we plan how many comics Mole Man will be in, but we don't go, <laughs> how many people are doing Hamilton jokes? <laughs> and Marvel Legal got really freaked out and they were taking all the Hamilton jokes out of the Marvel comics that week. And that's why that happened. And we would really like the art to be restored, but it can't. For legal reasons, mm-hmm. but the uh, there is a joke I did in like I want to say Silver Surfer one or two. You see Dawn in the motivator capsule, and Surfer can see her, but she can't see Dawn, and she's like, "Help!" She knows she's been abducted by aliens, and she makes a joke about, "Oh God, I hope they don't probe me." Right? I would I would change that joke because it is the only thing in the that entire run that comes even close to a sexual joke
0: uh-huh. it, is,
3: it, it is and and to me that is glaring because i hadn't quite gotten the the voices down and the feel down and one of the things i love about and it's not my super Run, it's my mike and laura super Run, the one thing i love the most about this was more than any comic i've ever written it's the comic that people share with someone they like yeah it's it's someone who reads comics has used it, whether it's a boy or girl on their partner who is a boy or girl to get them into comics, like try this. It's, it's been like my biggest try this comic where someone gives it to someone they love and go try this. And, and a lot of times it's, you know, parents with children going, try this. It's, there's something child safe about our entire surfer run. And I love that. I, I've been in green rooms where I get to meet celebrities I love. And then they go, oh, and I want to give them a comic. And then they go, oh, I'm going to give this to my kid. And if it's a Spider-Man comic, I go, ooh, I wouldn't give that to a kid unless they were this old. And I'm constantly saying like, ooh, I wouldn't give this comic, ooh, because then I think about scenes. No problem at all with Surfer. Everyone in the universe can read Silver Surfer. And so to answer your question, Lisa, about silver surfers junk <laughs> uh, um to me that's like uh the little kid in the greenwood inn hey, how do you pee yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and the only the only satisfactory answer is the hulks you know from yeah. two miles away
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you
3: know like because that's funny because everyone pees yeah. but uh, no, no, I will never deal with Silver Surfer's junk it's <laughs> off the table. It is. That's
1: great. More leeway for me.
3: Yeah. You, you know, that is for the up domain. Up to my
1: imagination. Of,
3: that's up for the domain of fanfic, which is wonderful, which <laughs> oh. is fantastic. Oh, all, all I know is that, you know, created and drawn by Jack Kirby. So it, whatever it looks like, it's circumcised.
2: Oh, okay. yeah facts yes <laughs> Dan. thank you so much for hanging oh out oh my with god we're going
0: out on that we are oh, going no. out on it that no! is what we're going out on.
2: <laughs> circumcised silver surfer that's the ending of this episode oh This comic means the world to Lisa and myself, as I'm sure we've told you several times already. And in a lot of ways, this podcast has been building to this conversation. Uh, The podcast began because we wanted to seriously tackle Don and Norrin's relationship in a podcast format but then we wanted to wait until we were I good at podcasting
1: podcast at 50 and it's been all d- downhill from there I no think, probably. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> and, and, and we covered the relationship on episodes 50 through 54 and now we've had this chat with you and it, it really does mean the world to us so just thank you
3: oh thank you so much i it really is uh out of everything i've worked on in my entire career it's the one thing where i I look at it and I go, this is the best, nice, biggest single unit of it. boom, this is this is it. Um, every Everything else you do, you know, there are bumps and hiccups and warts along the way, and um, you know, oh, if only I hadn't done it that way or blah. I have no regrets over, you know, Silver Server. I, I look at it and I'm just so happy. Uh, and so much of that is Mike and Laura um every single aspect between working on it with with tom to with, you know all our letters especially poor joe sabino who had to do half of uh, 11 upside down <laughs> um everybody everybody working on that book it was just the best time and i think it, it you know i think it was santa like, well there's someone there was some director who uh he had this someone asked like what was it like on your set like, did you have a fun time? Did you have these blooper moments? Did you have? And and it was some going, that doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. if how the set was mattered, Cannonball Run two would have won an Oscar. Right. You know, and I'm like, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, we cannonball run two the hell out of that. <laughs> we had so <laughs> much fun and love working on that book. And I think it seeps through the pages. Laura would constantly tell me when uh, she would have to bring Mike up for, for dinner and pull him away from the board that he would make baby sounds going like, because ah! <laughs> he wanted to draw more surfer. And uh, that was just honestly the way it was working on it the whole way through. It's just uh, a real pet project, a, a, a highlight in all of our careers. And we're, we're all very happy uh, to have worked on it. And the wonderful reception we've gotten from, surfer fans and for fans of just the book and yeah uh, this was a great time
2: it's wonderful to hear that love is evident we're very excited that uh, a new print of the omnibus is on its way and uh yeah it's just it's i just i'm excited for all the new readers of silver surfer to come
3: yeah Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I'm super excited to thank you for having me on the podcast. Thanks for
1: coming on. All we need is Mike Allred, and then our uh, hour
3: is complete. It's
1: like gems in the Infinity Gauntlet. Mike and Laura. And Laura, of course. <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, yeah or or you do them at the same time because they, they live in the same house happily. Yeah. We'll we'll so, make it happen. Ma- make Never. the offerings happen. Oh, I can't I can't wait till you see this short story, which I, has no Silver Surfer in it whatsoever. Um, but it has a version of one of Mike's favorite characters in the way he likes them the best. And uh, and people are like, do you, 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 Dan, do you have any fondness for this character in that iteration? And I'm like, not really, but I just want to make Mike all red happy. So I'm going to write the hell out of it. Awesome. (laughs) Cannot (laughs) wait. Yeah. Dan, thank you so much. Thanks
1: want to be that guy, but I am that guy. I did not bring up Silver Surfer's junk. Uh, <laughs> it was Dan who took it downstairs. I was just inquiring if he wore the sheath. Yeah, but that's what you were thinking
2: about. Like uh, and you had a strategy. You were <laughs> waiting the whole conversation to bring up that moment.
1: I'm a professional. I plan my questions ahead of time. If that's where the conversation naturally flows, uh-huh, I did uh-huh, not shoehorn uh-huh. it in. No, at the no, end. No,
2: I'm glad I'm glad we got <laughs> it in there and we got a really great answer from Dan. I am so thankful to Dan for spending as much time with us talking about Silver Surfer. We originally told him, like, we just need about 30, 35 minutes, but when we hit that 30, 35 minute mark, it was clear to us that he was having a good time, or at least that's what our hope was. And so we just kept on pushing we kept on pushing because we came with a lot of questions we came with a lot of passion and he was very receptive to it
1: and it feels great we know that the story is important to us Mm. and precious to us dan works on so i'm just calling him dan like we're besties yeah mr slot works on so many comics and writes so many stories so to hear him hold this particular story as something separate and and favorite and extra special, it feels good.
2: Well, he recognizes what a rare bird it is because it was just Dan Slott, Michael Allred, and Laura Allred on that book. There aren't too many comics that can claim that kind of consistency. So when you're able to achieve that, it stands out. And then on top of that... It's just such a different kind of superhero story. It is truly a romantic adventure. But Lisa, what I really want to bring up for our listeners is that when Dan first said, sure, I'll come on Comic Book Couples Counseling, you reacted in a fascinating way. Something I was not necessarily anticipating. You were unsure.
1: It wasn't that I was unsure. I was super excited to talk to Dan Slot. I just felt like because I had spent so much time with the work itself and I had meditated on it and I had really folded it into my being, I kind of felt like I didn't have any questions. (laughs) Like a lot of the time when we talk to an artist, it's something that we've read for the very first time. It's not too
2: often that we talk to a creator on our 10th reread of a story.
1: It's not. Um, often that we talk to a creator about our favorite story.
2: Right, yeah, a lot of pressure there.
1: (laughs) So like, I I was already satisfied. I was already satisfied with the story. And so I was like, well, I have nothing to ask then.
2: Yeah, and then uh, an hour and a half later, we hit end on this conversation. And then we talk with Dan on Zoom with the record off, For another hour and a half. Yeah. So you're actually only hearing half of the conversation (laughs) that Lisa and I had with Dan.
1: And the other half has been lost to the ether. It was not recorded. It was just for us. It was an ice castle and I loved it.
2: You'll just have to take our word for it that that was also a really epic conversation. Yeah. And we'll just have to get Dan on the show again. Yeah. Uh, You know, we want to talk She-Hulk with him. We want to talk Superior Spider-Man. We want to talk about what he's doing currently in Spider-Man, the solo series. I I know this is
1: already like a hella long episode, but I have like one more point to make. Okay, It was about how Dan was saying like, the ending of Don and Norrin's story is not a sad ending. Don got to live a full and happy life. I agree with that. And I agree with that too. And I want to kind of celebrate. I want to celebrate those sad, happy endings. Like we just had episode three of The Last of Us.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And... That was an episode that devastated many, myself included. It
2: does operate a lot like the Don Greenwood, Norrin Rad story, where
1: it's two people whose spoilers
2: life, for the Last of Us episode three
1: whose life doesn't go the direction that they anticipated, but they still made a good life together. Mm. And I would like to lift up that story as well as having a like a like a tearful, happy ending cuz i feel like sometimes we don't want to think about our loved ones mortality it's hard for me every time i read this run of comics because thinking about don passing away has me thinking about brad passing away and brad leaving me alone and and um and how will i go on but like it's a natural part of life and how lucky is Dawn to have the person that she loved the most there and it is an extension of the infinite all in Mm -hmm. you know yeah like when you um enter a partnership with someone a monogamous partnership with someone there is that gamble that you might be the one to die without the other one and that's just part of the story that's just part of life and I think that We should see more stories about this and say that's a happy ending.
2: I agree with you 100%. My only complaint about The Last of Us episode (laughs) three episode is that it is not the entire series. I honestly do not care what's going on in that show other than what's happening in that third episode. Why is The Last of Us anything but... Bill and Frank's story.
1: Yeah, I I can I hope that it fraysers off. Like if Last of Us is cheers, um let's fraysers off.
2: I hope there's just some creator out there right now who doesn't have the rights to the Last of Us but saw that episode and said, "That's a movie. Mm. That's a mini series. Let me do my Frank and Bill." Yeah. Yeah, like that that would please me so much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Lisa, anything else about this Dan Slot dream come true conversation?
1: Um, well, just that I've been I listened to it. Um, in the car driving around for for work today and it made my freaking day
2: yeah I hope
1: it makes yours listener
2: I want to hear from our listeners please tell us what you think of this conversation. Uh, I'd be curious if it helped you recontextualize the allred slot run in any kind of way yeah. uh, let's celebrate this comic all week long. I want to see you on the socials Twitter Instagram, Facebook. Show us your favorite panels from this series. There are so many that I have been screen capping and actually I've been taking photos straight <laughs> out of my comic uh, and, and putting them up online. And I, like, I just, when I see a panel from this book, it it brightens my day. Mm. So share your love for this run. Give it to a friend, recommend it to a friend. Let's get more people reading this comic book. March 7th is the new printing Of the omnibus, if you don't have it on your shelf already, consider picking it up. Makes for a great gift as well.
1: That's right. Valentine's Day, it will have passed. So Ah. you probably owe an apology gift. No.
2: St. Patrick's Day gift.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. St.
2: Patrick's Day gift. Silver Surfer, here you go. (laughs) It'll make you lucky.
1: Ooh. (laughs) Sheath on or sheath off? We'll never know. It's a Schrodinger's sheath. That's hard to say. Schrodinger's?
2: Sheath. Sheath on, but he like silvers down like a little hole.
1: <laughs> I have had that exact <laughs> thought. Like through a sheet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know how it's... we can go anywhere else after that. We got to wrap up this, Lisa.
1: But but Brad, yeah. I want to talk about Don Greenwood and Norrin Rad way more. Where might I get to do that?
2: Well, first off, Lisa, that's super presumptuous because we've already done four. Actually, with that bonus episode on that Groot issue, Five episodes on Norrin and Don. Uh Again, links in the show notes. We've had an hour and a half plus conversation uh, stretching into a two hour episode with Dan Slott.
1: I also did that article for Comics Bookcase all about Don Greenwood.
2: Link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And you want to keep talking about them? Fine, okay, head on over to the Commerce Collective feed, subscribe to their podcast. Lisa and I will be a guest on their next episode dropping Wednesday, talking nothing but Norrin and Don. Geez,
1: Brad, you don't have to yell at me.
2: Not sorry.
1: <laughs> so um, before we get out of here, What do our listeners have to look forward to next week on our feed?
2: So on our podcast, we're going to have another creator corner conversation. This one with Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell talking about the new Superman series from DC Comics. It's a relaunch, a new number one issue. We've read the issue already. It's fantastic. Jamal Campbell's art is perfect Mm. Superman art. And I love talking to these two about their philosophy of Superman. What does Superman listen to? What kind of music did Pete Ross put on his mixtape? We get into it. We're about to launch our next couple session series on Mark and Eve from Invincible. And we got Robert Kirkman to come on the show and help us program which comics we're going to cover.
1: It was a tough decision. We had to call in the expert.
2: His answer, not what you would expect. So be on the lookout for those episodes. And Lisa and I are heading to Seattle. We're going to the Emerald City Comic-Con. And on that Sunday, we're going to be on a panel with Mike Tanner, co-writer of Orcs in Space. So if you're in Seattle, make sure you're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con and stay till Sunday and see
1: us chit chat. Are we going to have stickers?
2: We will have so many stickers. Actually, our box of stickers just arrived. We got a thousand stickers (laughs) in the mail. We're ready to hand them out to folks.
1: Yeah, come say hi.
2: And then after that, if you're in the Winchester, Virginia area, Mm -hmm. we are hosting a screening of Lone Wolf and Cub Sword of Vengeance. It's our second screening in our comic book movie series following Howard the Duck. It's on March 12th at four o'clock at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia, co-sponsored by Four Color Fantasies, the Eisner-nominated comic book shop, and they will be selling comics on hand.
1: Yeah, bring your cash money. Uh, actually, he also had one of those, like, he QB things. yeah, yeah, yeah. thank
2: goodness, because we were able to buy, like, a bunch of Howard the Duck comics that way. Yeah.
1: Okay, Brad, it is time to get out of here. Do a little sheath on, sheath off. What do you say? (laughs) I'm for it. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh,
2: You can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show posters, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you?
1: I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, Ooh. you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. Yes,
2: we're on the Kindly Ones arc of Sandman, having a lot of fun breaking down that series issue by issue. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Hive Social, at CBCC Podcast.
1: You can give us the gift of five stars in Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to do an active service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod.
2: So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full.
1: And your psychic rapport open. To me, my outro. Doopy
0: doopy.
2: Again, are you are you all set? I am super ready. Let's do this! Here we go.
0: Let's Three. venture into the unknown. <laughs> Anywhere and everywhere, all at once. Oh god, I have that now on audio.